I have sailed. I have moved about this world of ours, and ever in search of the finest of its kind, we bring you the tops in Audio Drama Networks. This is Mutual. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain, and the more I read, the less I wish to know. There is a shadow over Aldergate University, a shadow from which I barely escaped with my life. A shadow into which I must now step once more. And you're coming with me. First of all, a hearty three cheers for the fact that we are still alive. After the publication of my little audio treatise on bastardom, I was fully prepared to receive a brief and conclusive visit from my old friends. Nevertheless, here we still are. A bit surprising. Honestly, I'm rather concerned about some of the implications. However, I'm not going to cry over unspilt blood, especially my own. So, where were we? We left our hero in a state of exhaustion and paralysis, afraid of enemies known and unknown, afraid of fear itself. As we rejoin him, the dawn has broken upon the Parata Dynamic Art Gallery, and our hero has risen to meet it. Now, at this juncture, I would highly recommend if you've not already done so, that you have a listen to On Bastardum. Link in the show notes. This will provide you with an invaluable education on the political and socio-psychological bedrock upon which stands human civilization. Also, you otherwise will have no real idea what I'm talking about, or why our hero seems constantly to be obsessing about being murdered. So, yes, off you go, if you've not already been, and come back once you know a little something about the Harris Mundi, and the Manus Orkaido, and just how unlikely it is that I'm alive to be telling you all this. All set? Good. Because this is Day Nine, Part Two. The Shadow of the Hidden Hand.
It is the ninth day of the return to Watergate. The time and place of writing is seven o'clock in the morning, in the Parata Dynamic Art Gallery. We begin. Oh, good morning, beautiful. 7 a.m., and you are on top of the world, in every sense. You fell asleep down in Parata's belly, but awoke with the sky above you. It's not the friendliest sky you've seen. The inky shades of night have surrendered to rather a peaky yellow-gray. Nevertheless, a morning is a morning, and you've lived to see it. <clears throat> yes, Parata has protected you. The two of you really do get on famously. The trick is knowing how to carry on a conversation at a level you can both appreciate. It's just a matter of getting her attention. Hmm, sort of. I suppose everything that moves within her has her attention. But she only speaks to those whose attention she desires in return. Unfortunately, that means you've got to keep annoying her, testing her limits. Not the best footing for a relationship, but you and she must manage on each other's terms. If that means running when she'd prefer you to walk, or leaning dangerously out over her balustrades, eh, then so be it. <laughs> she has got a marvellous voice, hasn't she? So unshakably confident, so magnificently serene. Exactly the sort of voice you'd want for an infinitely gentle living hive that juggles humans for their own edification. A sweet voice with a steely core, assured of certain certainties. <sighs> but she's not just a pretty voice. She's also wonderfully knowledgeable. Mostly about art, for obvious reasons. You nicked a headset from the rack by the lift, and she offered you the grand tour. No time for that this morning, alas. However, you did enjoy a brief, location-sensitive chat about the bits and bobs on display between the bathroom and this cozy little hidey-hole you found. And what a hidey-hole. Who says modern art isn't accessible? Your new bed away from bed is part of a special exhibition, The Fifth Sense, Art for the Blind. You didn't really think about it when you passed it on the way in, too busy being furious and terrified. But one of the displays is a thing like a great fluffy-on-the-inside geode, an enormous semispherical cement shell lined with all long pink fur. You don't know art, self, my lad, but you know a snug little burr when you climb into it, and Parata didn't seem to mind one bit. Hmm. 
Ah, Parata. She really is wonderfully informative, to a point at least. What you call your bed, she calls Crucible Womb by Ehani Lama. Huh. No further details on school or symbolism, but you're not here to critique. Leave it to the others to work out what it represents. To you, it means a cosy night's sleep. Hmm. There is one piece of art you would like to know more about, however. This little bronze statue that came to visit you during the night. It doesn't look at all at home in this neighborhood. The other Fifth Sense exhibition pieces all came along for the ride, and they're all riots of tactile titillation, jumbles of hard and soft and rough and smooth, and so on. And then there's this sculpture. Two dancers, small and simple, and clearly not part of the exhibition. When you went to touch them, Parata expressed strenuous objections. If you don't behave yourself, I'm going to chew you up and spit you out. <laughs> you think she was kidding, but best not try her patience any more at present. Still, you do wish she'd tell you more about this sculpture. Not just the title and the artist. You want to know her opinion of the thing. After all, she's the one who brought it here to show you. You would like to know why. <laughs> Instead, you've had to ask the Internet for its opinion of the piece, and that has put you in rather a funny mood. You didn't give the dancers a second glance, or even a first one, really. When you came back up here to grab your things, however, Parata whispered to you as you passed. Last Agony by Lorenzo Barker Well, that captured your morbid little attention. Fire up sibling and off to Wikipedia. <sighs> Last Agony Lorenzo Barker 2011 Modelled from active wild honeycombs and cast from the remelted fragments of a bell from the church of San Isidro in Lorca. Donated to Aldergate University by an anonymous friend of the artist, this sculpture is believed to be a study for a larger work. Hmm. A larger work that the world shall never see. Not unless Barker's found himself a studio in whatever non-extradition country is hiding him. You are not well up on your modern artists, but you certainly remember when that whole ghoulish story came out. Huh. Well, the affair may no longer be a dismal darling of the tabloid press, and the European Union may have stopped reconsidering its moratorium on the death penalty, 
But it seems that Barker remains a fierce bone of contention in the art world. Dozens of prestigious museums have solemnly declared their refusal ever to exhibit any of his work. Coincidentally, that list seems to perfectly match the list of prestigious museums that came up short in the mad dash to gobble up the fellow's staff when it became apparent that there wouldn't be any more. He probably only ever turned out a few dozen pieces in toto, and most of those are in private collections. There are only twelve known barkers on public display, and that's down from a high of seventeen, thanks to a spate of daring thievery. Pound for pound, Barker's more stolen than Picasso. Naturally, that discovery prompted you to hunt up an article about Parata's security measures, and what you found only made you love her even more. You'd no idea what a fortress she is, and how perfectly immune to infiltration or imposture. It's not just the old thumbprint that gets you in the door. Once inside, you are re-establishing your biometric bona fides with every breath you take. Parata is a veritable Argus. Hmm, suits you, self, old fugitive. You couldn't be better protected if your bedroom were a bank vault. You ought to stash a toothbrush. Bit early in the relationship to be moving in. But while there are black Jack Hoborns lurking about, you will be sleeping here. As long as you're napping next to Last Agony, you ought to be safe as houses. Hmm. Even so, you rather hope that Parata sees fit to take the thing somewhere else, somewhere far from your crucible womb. Unobservant little Adrian didn't see it at first, but now that you've read about it, you can't not see it. Ugh. Funny. From this angle, indeed from most angles, it's just a pair of dancers. Graceful motion, captured in cold metal. A masterful work, to be sure. The quintessence of art, but nothing sinister. The woman's dress clings and flows with her frozen movement, a sweep of sea foam curling about her partner's ankles. Sweet, quite sweet. But there's always another side to these things, isn't there? Stand up and circle round, and you see the thing's more famous facets. Yes. And yet, and yet, even so, you'd almost write it off as an irregularity in the casting, a conspiracy of accident and light. The figure's faces are featureless, but eccentricities of the pitted metal impose a strangeness upon the head that rests upon her partner's shoulder. And then, yes, there is that about the woman's figure, so lithe and lovely, that becomes distorted, distended, 
unnatural, grotesque, a spindle-shanked, inhuman being, uncanny in its proportions. And that faceless face, nuzzling in against her partner's throat. Ah. You ought to invite Sir John up for a look. You'd probably love it. <sighs> Sir John. Yes. There is a busy day waiting for you out there beyond these beautiful, hyper-intelligent walls. But you can't go out to meet it until you've properly assessed the danger that's waiting to pounce upon you. Your thinking on this matter has been dreadfully simple up till now. A hunted animal with no thought beyond immediate survival. Now you've got a moment to breathe and to strategize. You had best make the most of it. All right, then. <sighs> on balance, the single greatest threat to your life and safety is... Probably still you. Well, not you. Other ward. Not much you can do about him. Not for the moment. Now, you've done what you can. Pockestalk is active, tracking your every step. So, if you do go on walkabout, at least you'll know where you went. The question you've got to grapple with, then, stands astride the two twisting horns of your own private dilemma. Prong number one is the bastards in general. Prong number two is Sir John in particular. Huh. It is a tricky knot to untangle. The more you consider the idea of Black Jack Hoborn going rogue and coming after you, the less certain you are of how you ought to feel about it. Because, well, if he does, it all comes down to what the rest of them intend to do about it. After last night's performance, Sir John has surely become at least as hot a topic with the Vox Inordita as bad little Adrian. The possibility of an untethered manarch will throw the conclave right off its kilter. Certainly ought to add at least a week or two to the deliberations. Yes, as far as the heirs are concerned, you're probably safe, at least for now. The wiser among them probably suspected Mr. Deadman's existence in any case, but your speech to the regents will have erased any possible doubt. Hopefully you've scared them just enough and not too much. Regardless, deciding what to do about you could take... No, who can say? Perhaps months, years even... As long as you don't go doing anything else that directly threatens the grand balance, well, as long as they don't catch you at it, at least, they might quite happily leave your case unresolved forever. Laugh about it, shout about it, conclave about it from time to time, but never really decide anything. They may not quite be willing to let you pull your head off the chopping block, 
but as long as they've got it there, they may allow it to remain attached till you die of old age. Huh. Could this be your great revenge, self, old boy? If ever there were a dish served cold. If Sir John wants your blood as much as he seems to, he'll never let the conclave resolve without a vote. But... If there isn't a voting majority willing to scrag you, it's not because of the great love they bear for Brother Adrian. No, it's because they're afraid, more so even than usual. Afraid of Mr. Deadman, or afraid of setting a precedent of fratricide, or merely afraid of the imbalance that could result if the heirs split hard on such a dangerous issue. Well, then, they'll have to vote to let you off, won't they? <sighs> Not with Blackjack Hoborn charging about, hissing threats. The old villain made it very clear he wants your guts for garters, and if the Conclave doesn't hand them over, he'll take them himself. <laughs> dear, dear. It rather sounds as if little Adrian is doomed. So why is little Adrian smiling? <laughs> because if the bastard shrink at the thought of killing you by consensus, the idea of a sitting manock killing you on his own will make them shrivel. Talk about a shock to the grand balance. So, what can they do? Well, they could kill him themselves. Any one of them could. It's always an option. No vote, no excuse needed to scrag a manarch. But, let's be honest, none of them's likely to have the stomach for that. Not unless he makes good on his threats, at which point it'll be too late. So, all they can do is... <laughs> nothing. They can do nothing, and they shall have to keep on doing it, for a code-mandated minimum of six hours a day, forever. Can't suspend the conclave, can't hold a vote either, and that which cannot end must needs go on, and on, and on. Oh, how dreadfully sick they will get of one another. The last time you conclaved, you were cooped up in the Chateau Tunguska for fourteen days running. It's a miracle you didn't set the fratricide precedent yourself. Of course, this one's being held somewhere in civilization, somewhere close enough that Sir John can pop out for day trips to see his doctors and threaten you. Still... It is rather jolly to think that you may have condemned a whole quorum of bastards to an indefinite family reunion. Indefinite, but not eternal. If you're correct, and if you're lucky, they won't dare dissolve the conclave, not while Jack Hoborn's alive. But Jack Hoborn is dying. Seems it, at least. 
If the days pass, and he suspects the heirs just mean to wait him out, he'll have no reason to hold his hand. Still, he can't send Ultirat after you, not without the heir's approval. Oh, no doubt he's got a hundred private killers at his beck and call, but he'll have to be careful about how he deploys them. You know too well how keen are the eyes of the bastards, and they're on him now as much as on you. Can't call in an airstrike, can't send the army in to storm the keep. You'd still hesitate to sell you a life insurance policy, but it does level the playing field immeasurably. Hmm. Especially since... Oh. You've only just thought of that, and rather wish you hadn't. It does cut in favor of your eventual survival, however, that Sir John probably doesn't just want you dead. He mentioned a conversation between the two of you. Yes, yes, that is horrifying. But it does limit the old ghoul's options. Can't just pop your head off at a thousand yards. Where's the fun in that? No, he'll want to be right there with you, and he'll want to take his time. He can't expect you to accept an invitation to tea at Casa Hoborn. So, <sighs> so he means to steal you. Well then, how does one keep oneself from being stolen? Hmm. Well, there's two ways in which Black Jack might tempt Grand Theft Adrian. Either he comes to you, or he gets you to come to him. The former is tricky, and he will expect you to try to make it trickier. Here in Parata, at least, you're untouchable. You can't stay here forever, probably, but to set an ambush, he'll have to be able to predict your movements. Best of luck there. It's more than you seem able to manage. No, far more likely that he'll try to draw you out, lure you into a trap. So, how does he do that? What's his bait? What? Or whom? Yes, that'll be the way of it. Have to be. It will be an invitation, but it will come from someone you would never suspect. Right, that's easy then. Just suspect everyone. Sweet mercy, at this point you've turned rejecting, ignoring, and flaking out on invitations into a fine art. You're perfectly happy to default on every single appointment and appearance that Baz doesn't drag you to by your ear. Oh. Baz. Well, suspect everyone does mean everyone. And if you were looking for someone to play your Judas goat, there's no one better. Ugh.
No, you can't. Even as a thought exercise, you cannot, you will not imagine Baz setting you up to be tortured and murdered. <sighs> of course, that wouldn't be the way of it. She wouldn't even suspect it herself. She's nobody's stooge, but she is a slave to the system. If he can sneak something onto your official calendar, she'll do her best to get you punctually killed. Hmm. Well, keep it in mind, and remain vigilant. But, realistically, you're probably looking for a slightly less unusual suspect. Hmm. It feels unclean, somehow, to think about Black Jack Hoborn's fingerprints all over Aldergate University. But he is a regent, and a council member at that. So, you've got to assume that he might know, and potentially have power over just about anybody. Well... Your speech certainly went over a treat last night. Your official VC inbox has filled to bursting. <sighs> invite after invite. Dinner, drinks, small private orgies. Which one do you suppose is the staked lamb? None of them, of course. It's too long a shot. This whole idea is predicated on the assumption that Sir John knows he's not got time to waste faffing about. His cat's paw will have to be somebody who's got access to you, or to whom he knows you will want access. So, who, who in all of Fair Aldergate is secret buddies with Sir John? Who among your little flock of brilliant scholars would have time to pal around with a genocidal maniac? Samir. Ugh, what a bizarre thought. But it is the answer that springs to mind. Yes, of course, Samir would have jumped at the chance to get to know the old bastard. He'd be a bit old school for her tastes, but how could the author of Reich 4.0 pass up the acquaintance of the founder of Ultirat? And Sammy was on the university council as well. Of course they knew each other. Twist. In your worser moments, you could almost believe that Sammy... Sammy might trade you to Sir John, if he could give her whatever it was she was after. <sighs> Wonderful. Well, you've got your prime suspect, and sure enough, she's the last person you'd have thought of. But perhaps you'd better keep on sleuthing. Perhaps think of somebody else, someone who isn't dead. Although, that would be a solution worthy of Agatha Christie, if it turns out the first victim was really your murderer all along. That would be quite a plot... twist. Oh, self. 
O oh, self, these are awful waters. Could it be that you'd passed on Sir John as a suspect because, well, why? For mercy's sake, what's the motive? But only last night you were wondering how Regent House came to elect you as Vice-Chancellor. You've no idea how long the process of picking a new VC took, or when it concluded. But Baz brought you the offer, at least a week or so after your bad break-up with the Harris Mundir. <sighs> Is that the truth behind the 51st Vice-Chancellor of the University of Aldergate? Was it Black Jack Hoborn who nominated and whipped votes for Adrian Ward? You, the prodigal bastard. He knew you'd be looking for a place to run and hide. And when you accepted, then... Yes, just before your arrival, Sammy's legs turn up on last quad. One of the great prodigies of her generation, butchered and scattered. If ever there was a man who'd do such a thing, create an outrage and a mystery, drop an unsolved murder in your lap, your university, your old pal, how could you resist? You couldn't. At any rate, you haven't. Is that it, self? Is that his game? Commit a murder you couldn't help but investigate, and let the trail lead you right into his clutches. What could be easier to hunt than the man who's hunting you? It is utterly gruesome, unspeakably vile. And, in this moment at least, you are utterly convinced that it's true. You can see it so perfectly, see it happening, which you never could before. Oh, it's all there. It solves all the mysteries at once. Well, all right, you still don't know exactly how one might slice off a woman's legs without making a mess or drop them in a public place without being spotted. But what of it? What does it matter if you can't figure out how it was done? It happened. Somebody did it. And if anybody would be an expert in that sort of thing, it's Black Jack Hoborn. And at last, you can see a motive for Sammy's murder. You. Well then, the light of a new morning has brought new and unpleasant revelations. The day to come promises yet more discoveries, and perhaps more horrors as well. We shall just have to see, shan't we?
Join me every second Sunday for a fresh episode of The Aldergate Papers. Right now, however, you must help me help myself. Do please find The Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. And spread the word, won't you? Point your friends to thealdergatepapers.com. Until next time, I am and shall remain your humble servant, Adrian Ward. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy as Lothar Tuppen brings you Wednesday Wonders. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast player. And thank you for listening, everybody. The Mutual Audio Network, where we listen and imagine together.